Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. First of all, there's nothing proprietary about any of these ideas. And second, I, I believe rising tides lift all boats. Yes. You know, yes. I think we can work together to make comedy a thing again and, and lift all of us up together. Uh, you know, we're not competing with each other. It's not that small. If you look at how much money comedy generates for the social media platforms, you realize how much money there is to be made. How much content we give away for free to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. What do you think they're doing? They're monetizing all our work. That's how they become what they become, right? So there is a lot of room for growth. We just have to find it. Hot breath. All right. We're doing it. Welcome back to Hot Breath. This is the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers. And we are all about cultivating the next generation of great comics. And our guest today, I firmly believe, is part of that roster. She is an example of a comic creating her own success, overcoming all odds, and not making excuses, but making progress instead. And that sounded very fancy. I should write that on a fortune cookie. But long story short of it is, please welcome to the Hot Breath of Verse, the one and only Zarna Garg, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give her some love here. Hello, Zarna. Hello. Namaste. Namaste, oh, Joel. Namaste. namaste the hot breath universe. Namaste. Thank you so much for having me. I know you guys stole that from us, but we're fine. She's <laughs> already throwing shade. I'm too white to defend any sort of appropriation that's happened. Listen, after we lost yoga to the West, it was all over for us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they well, India lost you to the West. I mean, you fled here when you're 16 to avoid an arranged marriage. So, I mean, we're doing something right here. What a mistake that was. Yeah. <laughs> Some foolishness. What possessed me? Oh, I will make my own life with my husband. That is so much more work than keeping one mother-in-law happy. <laughs> what? I'm like trying to go back now. I'm like, take me, arrange me now if anybody wants me. Do you, do you regret it? No. Oh, no, my yeah. God, no. You think this was meant to be contained within a system that tells women to be quiet all day long? That's incredible that, yeah, you escape a system to where you actually, your job is to not be quiet all day long. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, it's been a long road to find this path, mm -hmm. but clearly, you know, I feel strongly that I was meant to do this. I was just miscast in uh -huh. a different role for the first 40 something years of my life. What makes you feel, I feel like a lot of comics have that feeling or a lot of aspiring comics have that feeling of like, Oh, I've, I, I've always wanted to do this or I feel like I should do this. What was that? What made you feel like you were born to do this? And then how did you actually decide to do it? Um, so I've written a screenplay and uh, that's award a award winning comedy. screenplay, by the way. Yeah, little a bit award-winning um come on and yeah and that i did out of desperation i saw hmm. a big opening in the market i was like why are brown women always perceived as sad and like lonely and you know heavy topics in the west which is by the way true but there is another side to us we're very fun we're happy people too uh, but once I wrote that, I was still struggling how to get my comedic voice out there. Like I could feel a tension inside me. And my daughter actually helped me make a breakthrough. I have a 16 year old daughter who's now almost 18. And she reached out to people who've known me my whole life, like 100 people, from people who knew me as a high schooler to people who recently met me and said, can you write a line or two about what, you, what your favorite memory is about my mom? And uh, she got a hundred notes back and almost every single one said she made us laugh. Oh. So my daughter gave me all these notes and said, if you don't do something with this gift, I'm not sure what else the universe needs to tell you. And that's the sad story of how, you know, the sad beginning. I cried, I wept, and then I was like, is there money in it? <laughs> is there money in it? Because <laughs> I've been a 
there for like 15 years as a mom. Like, can somebody pay me for something? Yeah, you go from being a lawyer to then I'm going to be a comedian? No, I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. Fifth stay-at-home I mean, mom for 15 years, okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm an immigrant and that means certain things. One of which is that I have no support system in this country. And and like, I don't, it's not a complaint, it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. I don't have family here. As soon as I had kids, the reality of like, who's going to raise this thing? You yeah. Know? No one tells you that after the cute baby arrives, like somebody's got to be with it all day, every day. So uh, for 15 years, I was home. I mean, I stopped. I had to stop. One of us, my husband and I, had to stop working. And it was me. And that's a good thing because we would be down one or two kids by now if it was him. (laughs) We would have lost one. We would have lost our first kid to malnourishment in America if my husband was in charge. What what does that decision look like, though? Uh, Okay, I want to pursue comedy. I see my fate looking me in the face. But then what is that conversation with your husband? What? How do you then decide to do it? Because a lot of people want to do comedy, but then actually doing it is a whole other animal. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I'm very blessed. My family is extremely supportive. I thought you were going to say I extremely have, wealthy. For a second. <laughs> but listen, okay, if he wasn't paying the bills, I couldn't do it. This is a fact. You know how this world is. I, I get... Forget even the $20 club pays have just started happening. Like, and then the club shut down. Oh yeah. Um, But I, you know, um, you know, when I started, I really thought I would do one or two open mics. Five of my friends would watch me and that would be the end of it. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't anticipate what ended up happening, to be honest with you. So I went and I told my husband, I'm going to just go meet this lady who runs an open mic. I didn't even know what an open mic was. And uh, she said, go up and say anything. I was like, anything? Like, (laughs) really? (laughs) And yeah, she's like, just whatever you find funny. So I will never forget the first line I said. I got up there and I looked around and I'm like, white people do this? Oh, that's hilarious. Because the, the idea that you can just stand there and like make jokes and stuff and that could be a job never occurred to me. Why people do this? So you didn't have any jokes written? You just went to an open no. mic? Yeah, I just started. She said, whatever you find funny. So I had, you know, I was like, well, I don't know why women wear high heels. That's ridiculous. They were designed for men. And I started ranting about all kinds of things. But my bigger takeaway that day, and I remember the moment when all the comedians burst out laughing and we had a connect, was when I said, like, you guys do this every day? Like, this is a thing? (laughs) I don't think people in America realize how extraordinarily rare and privileged and special it is that you can get up on a stage and make fun of your president, your prime minister, your this, your that, without fear of persecution without fear that that you're gonna get attacked i mean i could never do this in india ever i wouldn't even dream of it how sick how dangerous is it there i mean recently an indian female comedian's uh, joke was discovered online a youtube joke about hinduism it's the mildest joke on earth it's nothing evil or earth shattering but somebody discovered it and they went in, they destroyed the club where it was filmed. They broke her house. Comedians are routinely jailed in India. This is not uncommon. You piss off the wrong person and you don't even know who the wrong person could be. Because in an audience of a few hundred, who, who's right and who's wrong? There are consequences. I mean, free speech has a different meaning outside America. And definitely in India. I can't speak for the whole world. But in the brown nations, and especially as a woman, mm. I think the men get away with it, have a little more levity. The men are like, ooh, they're intellectual. They're making social commentary. And the women are being vulgar. That's what I, I, I knew. India has a newer comedy scene. So I didn't know how, um, yeah, how all that played within the actual just like cultural expectations, you know. So the established comedy scene in India is extremely misogynistic. Mm. They make fun of women. The women are the punchline. They, they, they're ridiculed on stage. They're pinched. You won't believe this. You think, like, I sit here and I see the stuff that gets people canceled in America and I start laughing. I'm like, they only do. 
<laughs> they only knew what goes on in the rest of the world. These women get on stage and like big time, like Bollywood stars will pinch them and be like, look how fat she is. Ha ha ha. And that's the joke. No one's actually ever written a joke. That's the joke. And like millions of people watch it and tune in and like laugh at it. That's where that comedy scene is. Well, you've, you have like over 13 million views on TikTok. I mean, has there been any blowback from all that exposure? Yeah, I mean, my TikTok comments are like wild. My TikTok comment section is like a Twitter beast of its own kind. Like, I feel like with TikTok, I have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter combined to create my TikTok account. Mm -hmm. Because people get very passionate about my jokes and what I'm talking about. But I have a huge, I have a huge contingent of supporters so one person like bounces on me about something and then a hundred other people attack, like it goes on all day long. Mm-hmm. I've actually pulled one nerve on my right arm just from responding to TikTok comments <laughs> in the last four months. And I can't, I keep up, I try, and I try to stop the wars because I don't really, if somebody, you know, is mean to me, I don't care. Like it doesn't, you know, listen, you know what goes on in the clubs here. I deal with a lot more. Mm-hmm. than that so i i'm not interested in starting any war over this but people do get passionate and i get a lot of heat of course oh she's making fun of her mother-in-law because in-laws are so sacred in india but how about the family reaction they love it my husband loves it like he can't wait he's like get a netflix special so i can put you on mute uh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, he, no, my kids love it. They understand what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They're firmly behind. My children are my biggest source of strength. And also like, I don't don't know who thought child labor was a bad idea. I think it's great. I make them work. Every show they're working, every park show, they, all three of my kids, one has to collect emails. One has to like give up hand sanitizer in the world that we're in right now. A third one is selling water, like, you know, selling, like gently suggesting donations. Wow. So I put them all to work. What about family in India, though? My in-laws are on board. And I think when I first started, everybody was nervous. Like, what is she going to do? But the more I, the more the business has grown, the more they see what I do. I think my screenplay, uh, my screenwriting win helped give me some credibility because for two years all I was doing was writing you know when I was writing the screenplay and I was like oh she's writing and that means nothing to an Indian person you like reading and writing they're like what's that and why you don't get paid for that if you tell an Indian person you're reading a book they'll be like why (laughs) you know unless it's a math book then you should read it Mm. So um, for two years, they were just like, whatever she's writing. And then like out of nowhere that, you know, this big honor came my way. And I think people sat up and this took notice. And now they see my comedy. I mean, I'm all about crafting a good joke. I take a lot of pride in writing a good joke, really working it. I, I mean, I love that this community exists in America. Like I, I was so meant to belong in this world. No, you talking about hot breath? Hot breath, 100%. The number one writing community, the number one joke writing community in the world. Wow. And I'm honored to be like, you know, to be invited, even though I stalk and do all kinds of bad things too. Like I stalk everybody's jokes. I'm like, what did he write? What did he write? What can I steal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, before we jumped on here, you were like, wait, you do all this for free? I was like, well, don't say that too loud. I don't want my wife to hear, but... Yeah, I mean, as of yes, as of right now. <laughs> well, well, we maybe we we work together to change that a little bit. I agree. Yes, I'll, I'll um patch my wife in on that call. Yes, but yeah, it's uh, it is. I, I just love. I've been doing comedy ten years, and I've self produced my own tours, my own comedy special, and this pot the podcast has been going on five years, and it's just all about just helping comics get better at comedy, and this community kind of grew from quarantine and us not really knowing what the next step is. So I kind of put all my attention online and now we do the daily joke writing club where there's comics 
that tune in from Australia at midnight. And there's yeah. co- there's comics in India, in the UK. I mean, all over the world, there's comics that tune into this every day. So it has it's really been very rewarding. But I do see where you're saying, but every day for free? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that was a joke, but not really. But not really. I, not <laughs> I didn't take really it personally, yeah. No, no, I meant it as a compliment. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You're so organized, you're so methodical, you built this outstanding community. I mean, this is stuff that people get paid to do. And it's a lot of work to do it well. Listen, anybody can start a podcast and anybody can start a writing club. But to do it at the level at which you're doing it, that's a whole another level. And I, I have a lot of appreciation for it. Wow. I appreciate you saying that, Zarna. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I Even when I don't write the joke, I'm always logging on to read it, read what people are doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Today was like episode 204 and I had a mental breakdown. So it only took 204 right 10 clubs for me to have a breakdown. The audio wasn't working. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost it and I was like, well, then you make your own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's your joke for the day. <laughs> yeah. That was my joke for the day. That's your joke for the day. <sighs> Listen, but that's a part of running this, being part of this business. I mean, it like, you know, online, I'm sure you've had your technical snafus during snows, shows and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had, uh, you know, I've had my issues and, you know, it's, we're all in this together, even though not really, as you know. Like, we're not in this with Ellen DeGeneres, for example. Right. But we're kind of sort of in this together, so everybody gets it. I think people have to be forgiving of some of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. But you, how long have you been doing comedy? And if they're not, I think you should push them out of your free open mic. Oh, yeah. Well, get out of here, free free wheelers. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. (laughs) See, I can't even, like, commit to it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's people of all, some people have never even done comedy because of quarantine. So it's like, they're just learning how to write jokes. And then when live shows come back, they'll be getting on stage and things like that. But how, how long have you been doing comedy specifically? It's a little over a year and a half now. What? Yeah. I did my first open mic in April of uh, 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Joe, let, let me explain something to you. I'm, I'm a little like mental, like little unstable in my mind. Like okay. when I want something, like my brain starts spinning like a top until I get it. Like I can't, I can't control it. It's actually manic. The truthfully, I'm telling you. And you know, a lot of comedians, I think, are like that. You maybe too, because you self-produced album. Like you can tell the comedian who's not sitting around waiting to be discovered. Mm. It seems to me yes. that there's two, at least two different types of comedians. There's one that believes in the craft and like honing every joke to the nth degree of perfection. And then like waiting for that moment of discovery by, by a big agent. And then there's another class that's like, we're just grinding hard every day and pushing through one obstacle after another. So I feel just based on what I've seen of the work that you do, that you and I might be cut from a similar cloth. On that For sure. And that's, that's the ethos of hot breath is, I hope I use that word, right? I had to use my $80,000 liberal arts degree somehow. So I use ethos, but it, um, yeah, that's what we say every day in here is, yeah, we're creating our own success. That next generation of great self-made comics, like really starting to empower people regardless of, how far they are in their career or how much they know about comedy to start creating their own success and opportunities. And you being a year and a half in, like, because I've seen your stand up and it's already very funny. So you already have like a really good grasp of just comedy writing. I could tell just from watching your stand up. But then to think about how a lot of comics don't understand this, but it's called show business and each yeah. one is a full time job to pursue. Getting good at the show is a job, and then getting good at the business is a job. But you seem to have really already been able to like find an intersection between the two. That uh, it's it's wow. I a year and a half. I was not expecting that. Wow. No, I I think I started with a focus, and mm. I have to. I, I'm I'm older than many comics who start, 
I have three kids. I have a full plate of responsibilities. I started going down this road strategically that I have to focus on the business side of it because mm-hmm. either it's a business or it's not for me. I don't have the luxury of taking it on as a hobby for too long. I'm being honest with you. I just I would love it. I would love to luxuriate in doing open mics and not worrying about how I'll make money. But I I just can't. I you know, I can't justify leaving my kids and and whatever it costs to replace me at home. Um and it it makes me feel like I'm an it's it's um proof of concept. It's uh-huh. when people buy tickets, when I'm able to convert my YouTuber or my TikToker to come to a, a club and buy a ticket, now I know they really like me. You know, it's it's the only way that you know it's for real. And uh, you know, I've been very blessed in that way too. The Indian community is firmly behind me in America. Hmm. I had the first open mic I did. they told me can you bring five people and i was like five what will i do with the rest of them <laughs> they <laughs> loved you no one, no one had done so the first open mic i had 90 people in the audience jeez and it was not like i didn't even know what i was doing i just told my friends like this is american thing is happening and they said come on stage and make jokes <laughs> And they were like, you know, you'll make jokes. I said, okay, I'll make jokes about our mother-in-law's thumb. And then everybody came. What was your focus? <laughs> you said you started with a focus. What was that focus? The focus was to always keep this intersection merged, mm-hmm. the business and the art. To not to understand, like there are jokes, for example, I'll give you an example. There's yeah. some jokes I do that seem to get no traction on social media. I know it's not working. Like I'll give you an example. I cannot tell a dirty joke to save my life. If I say "fuck," I'm not. Am I allowed to say that? It sounds like duck. No one like it doesn't fly. So I tried it. I was like, "Why can't I do this?" Let me try it, and then zero, like negative. So I'm always focused on what's working. And you know, uh, any social media person will tell you that you should isolate the things that are working for you. on youtube tiktok instagram wherever there's something there's some vibe that people seem to appreciate consistently so i'm constantly studying the analytics behind what are the things that are hitting in a big way uh-huh. and how do i reiterate it in new and different ways and in some way it's not dissimilar from writing a romcom screenplay like when i wrote a movie screenplay for america i was very focused on what is a traditional romantic comedy grid like you know boy meets girl like i didn't want it to be so different that people are going to be like what is this but within that grid how do i make it my own and make it special so now i'm doing the same thing in comedy like within this comedy universe of possibilities there's so many comedians who has successfully made like a you know like a business out of it and then how can i emulate those steps you know and stick with it with some discipline who have you been emulating um i love like i love what sebastian maniscalco like all these people i discovered in the last year and a half so i like i only knew what most you know i had seen seinfeld growing up but you know the beginning monologue that he does I, like i didn't know that that's comedy like i never went to a club mm-hmm. so uh, but now i've learned so i've now like, russell peters masterful businessman like i obsessively try to read everything and of course he's also indian so it's like it's even an added bonus for me but there was a strategic business angle and he was lucky i think he had his brother helping and managing mm-hmm. and uh, but i learned a lot and i i i'm always equally obsessed as obsessed as i am with writing a good joke i'm constantly obsessed with how did people make it happen Yeah, that's that's a good tip to look at who's doing what you want to do and see how you can emulate it. I think it's a good starting place. In the end, you all we all have to find our own path, mm-hmm. but some some wheels have been you know, have been invented already. So let's not reinvent those. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. What other what other kind of business tips do you have for comics? Um, I think 
defend your price you know name a price and defend it like you it's a, it's a little bit of an art i do a lot of zoom shows now zoom private parties and zoom this and zoom that and uh, i decided early on at that i set a certain price for what it will cost for a private event i'm not talking about a club event or whatever and i got i get pushed back here and there and you know i've learned now to say no i'm sorry i have to you know you get what you ask for at the end of the day and you have to fight for it and you know and that's not new to me i i, I mean i've you know that that's just not new to me i i have had to fight for so many things in my life and now i'm learning that the more i stick with their people who will say no i'm we're not doing this and then 3 months later come back to me and be like okay you know why do i or find a solution i always help people find solutions like why don't we have two parties merge together and then it's a little more cost effective and you know but uh, i think defend what you think you're worth because what you think you're worth is what the industry is going to think you're worth eventually Ooh, that's good yeah because if you don't value yourself why will anybody else and that's interesting you when you mentioned earlier about looking for ways you can create your own path in the game and people are just now starting to get into zoom shows and it seems you're creating a business around zoom shows i did immediately in march we had a lockdown for a week i was like blown away because i lost all my shows i was scheduled to be in the new york comedy festival that was gone everything that i was excited about gone in a week So for a week I was like out of it but then I said you know what there's always an opportunity hiding in this kind of madness mm. that's just how it is and so I started doing zoom shows and I like I now believe that in in during the actual main lockdown you know when everything was shut I lost all my new york friends because I couldn't meet anybody even the people I knew in the city but I found a whole world of friends outside because i would just sit on my computer and like try this and try that and at that time people were so forgiving anything you know to, to get a little bit of a laugh so just like the experience you are having with joke writing i had with my comedy i would be like hey i'm happy to do a show in australia time will uh, let's see if somebody logs in and i would put an insta story out and like 10 people would log in to watch a free show on ig live and then that became like my base for like hey if i if you ever want to book me for a party i'm available oh, you know yeah. so it like it's very slow it's painstaking but it got me a start in a new market that how else would i ever access sitting here in new york and you gosh this is so such great timing cuz i was just thinking this past weekend about the business opportunity within doing zoom shows and i've done a few for family friends but i just see the potential yeah beyond like zoom parties corporate events and things like that i think can all be done via zoom yeah and it's being done now because these corporate events like for example the corporate meetings and stuff that happen they're so boring they mm -hmm. know it the zoom fatigue is real yeah you know Mm -hmm. like i like it. there's a, actually i i believe there's a whole thing about like, I, in february march when zoom first started like we were also formal we sat up took a little bite on the side and shut off the camera we were all civilized in july we're like drinking a little like little drinky drinky and then now we're like we're taking a shower in the background you know zooms right. on no one cares right 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 Um, but the stuff is is tedious. It's boring. It's what I hear from corporate uh, people that I reach out to, and adding ten minutes of a real comedian is nothing to them. They used to do corporate lunches that would have been like twenty people going to a restaurant mm -hmm. and ordering all kinds of like all of that is gone. All those budgets are sitting around now. <sighs> Just got me excited. Yeah. See. <laughs> There it is. Yeah. There is see see the roles if you keep thinking about it avenues will open up. I mean I reach out to companies every week. Hey, would you consider adding a comedian? Do you have a show? Are you celebrating something? Or even just in an annual meeting like maybe you're crying. <laughs> maybe you're crying like a lot of companies are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let me help ease the pain. 
<laughs> and you'll just do like 10 minutes. That's what you offer. Yeah. And they pay. And I, don't, I mean, I do traditionally the Zoom shows I do are about 20 minutes, but I find in a corporate setting, even 10 minutes is enough. It's enough to break the tension, to make people relax about whatever it is that they're doing. And I'm in and out. And now people are so used to people going in and out of Zoom meetings that it's, it's just not even unusual anymore. How are you reaching out to them? How are you finding these businesses and are you these friends or how, yeah, how are you starting to reach out to these people? Uh, my friends that way have been very useless. They okay. only want to come out and have a good time. So they'll come out to the clubs and all. But they, this this avenue I have kind of developed myself. Okay. I've gone down the path of like how many companies have Indian employees, like lots of them. So think about it. All the tech companies, all the engineering companies, all the hospitals. I've done so many shows for big hospitals. You know who needs a laugh right now? Medical staff. Mm -hmm. Those I do for free. I did for free all summer, like a, a Mount mm -hmm. Sinai or this hospital, that hospital. But what it does is if, say, 50 medical staff personnel see me and if one or two of them is having a private event, then they can think about it as an option. So it's a win-win for everybody, you know, and it's a short show. Some of sometimes people log in from their cell phones, mm -hmm. just watch a few jokes. Yeah. Oh, that's very smart. So I'm thinking like, you know, my, my comedy special is called The Trophy Husband. So it's almost yeah. thinking about businesses within like the wedding industry or planning industry or something. Maybe yeah. there could be something there. Well, there are Zoom weddings happening now. So oh, there are Zoom you know, weddings. Yeah, absolutely. Zoom bachelorette parties, Zoom weddings. There's everything is moving to Zoom. And 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 I think even the world does open up whenever that is, some aspect of this will remain because it's yeah. just so easy i agree it's like i don't think it's going away anytime soon if anything it will only become more sophisticated there will be more bells and whistles in the app itself so you can do a lot more so you're you're researching companies that have like indian employees and then are who are you emailing or do you have a press kit attached like I have a press kit on my uh, on my website that's one of the first things I did because it's basically like a business calling card Look I was never part of the club hang like I, I was never hanging out with people I didn't have the ability to do that so I had to find creative ways to make myself known to somebody who is interested in buying a comedy unit, you know. Um, so I have a press kit, but doctors, like it started even small. Like, for example, my own doctor, my personal, uh, you know, what is it called in America? Family doctor. Mm -hmm. Him, when I went to him, I said like, hey, you know, you guys look so stressed out. <laughs> what are you doing in here? Let's do a joke. Like, let me do a five minute show. And I would try to get it. So my kids, luckily, I have so many kids because I'm Indian. I just kept giving birth for years. So his pediatrician, their dentist, their orthodontist, whoever, anywhere. <laughs> anywhere I went, I was like, listen, I'm happy to do a 10-minute show next time you guys have a Zoom meeting. And I was like very surprised when people started. And so initially, I did a lot for free. Okay. Just to, you know, just to get the word out. Mm -hmm. And then from those shows, word started spreading. Oh, you know what? She's funny. Like if we're having a family gathering, why not have her for 10 minutes? Oh, okay. And then it started becoming more paid events. Yeah. And are, are you making, you don't have to tell me numbers on air, but maybe after, <laughs> but um, are you making like as much as you would for a live show doing these? Well, Okay, so if I produced a live show and I performed in it, I made decent money because the ticket sales and all that was Exactly, me. yeah. But if I was on somebody else's show, I made nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, it's very, it's minuscule. So the answer to that is yes and no. Of course, if I'm producing a sold out show myself at Caroline's, a 20 minute Zoom show is not going to compete with that. Mm -hmm. but but think of how much work you do to get there like when i did my show at Caroline's, it was it was an insane grind to make sure every last ticket was sold and that it was a full house and that i was bringing value to this club that chose to uh give me a shot 
I mean, I was so new when Caroline's gave me a show. So I understood what they were doing and I wanted to bring a lot of value to that. That was a lot of work compared to a 20 minute Zoom show mm -hmm. where, you know, so relative to how much work it is, I think I'm, I'm making decent money. And, and honestly, right now it's keeping me going. But what else? The, the options are limited, you know, as you know. Yeah, you've yeah, you've really inspired me and hopefully people watching and listening to um really look at this as a opportunity. I like how you're framing all of this as well, you could see it as positive or negative and you can like sulk or you can get to work and you're you're getting to work in a, a year and a half. It's just that's ex yeah, that's wow. I'm I'm just I'm I'm impressed. It's it's inspiring, really. I, I don't be impressed it took me 40 something years to get here you know it was a long road to figuring out that comedy is it like now in hindsight even i'm like what was i crazy did i not know comedy existed mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's culturally not what my people do like laughing no like i make jokes about this don't worry be happy would never be an indian song <laughs> our mantra is don't happy be worried yeah <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> She's saying people in India like don't laughter is not a thing. La not at this type of comedy. So the, the type of comedy they laugh at is what I described earlier. It's, mm -hmm. you know, they don't understand that that well-crafted joke and, and that if somebody is making a joke about you, it's not necessarily a mean spirited punch. It's just observational. So this whole thing is waiting to be discovered. I think there's a whole, that's part of why I think I'm getting a little bit more traction than some others because Indian people for the first time, if you go through my TikTok comments, like it just blows up with like an Indian woman is doing comedy and then oh. they forward it to like 50 people. Oh, that's you know? awesome. Because it's not been done. And uh, and I'm so happy that I, I'm I'm putting my voice out there and doing it. And yeah. I can only do it in America. I'll tell you that because I'm part of communities like yours. Oh, well, thank you, Zarna. Yeah, it's true. I, I watch. I'm telling you, I read all the jokes every day. I'm like, what are they working on today? Let me see <laughs> for free. For free. She said for free again. <laughs> well, this I'm is an Indian I like a good deal. <laughs> it's yeah. You know, why not? Yeah. It, it's a free writing club. And then we, we do have a paid Facebook group where I do workshops in there and like my own Q and A's and we do a writing room in there. And there, I do have an online comedy writing course that also has a podcasting course and a live show production course attached to it. So I'm going to recommend that to all my Indian friends. There's so many people now looking to make a break into comedy. Yeah. And I'm going to recommend that straight line to Joel. Thank you. Yeah, let them know. Zarna knows. Yes, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Zarna. I appreciate that. Um, oh, this is a good question here. And I should have given um, Angela Moore asked about you, your pricing of your Zoom shows, but I, mm -hmm. I should have said Angela Moore asked. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, but you were just, I, I mean, in the, are we, can we say a you're over $100 doing yes. this? I'll tell you, it started at 250 for 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Be, and I, there were several reasons for it. it. It didn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, I, I did a little bit of calculation that if I did a show for corporates and there were X number of people in the room, I estimated around 50. Uh, I would do, I did a little bit of math. I was like, if they had gone out, how much would they have spent? And how do I make it a fractional amount and say, this is like $5 a ticket or something it's mm -hmm. working out to. And that's how I started. Because you do have to justify your, you can't just be like, oh, I want $5,000 and for what? You know, and it's so, because a lot of times you deal with HR of a company. So you explain to them like $5, I mean, you're talking buying them a cup of coffee, essentially, per head, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got started. And now I charge a little bit more. And also I, I have all these add-ons. I can do custom jokes. Uh, now I write jokes for specific events. So our Indian New Year is coming up. So that's a whole custom event. So that's that's separate from my usual jokes. I wrote a whole set for Eid, the, the, uh, the Muslim New Year. 
that was a whole add-on. So now I've like branched out into add-ons, but 250 for 20 minutes was the starting number. And, and a lot of people said, no, by the way, I didn't get it easily. And I still don't get it easily. It's, it's a marketing battle like anything else, mm -hmm. but I stick with my price. I would rather sell a few shows a month at that price and really deliver amazing shows. Then take any price I get, not be excited about it, you know, uh, so, and I'm sticking with that for now. I mean, ask me in a year. I might be crying. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, th I think you're striking into an untapped market, to be honest. And I don't think, I don't think Zoom shows are going anywhere. I don't think they should go anywhere. It's, yeah. you know, like a lot of comedians don't like them, but I love it. I'm like, yeah. I, plus, plus I'm a mom. Like no one listens to me anyway. So I'm like now doing it on a screen. <laughs> Oh. My household, no one's listening. I'm doing comedy all day long. No one's paying me attention. But there, people that matter online are paying attention. You know, the people I think paying so. you. And, and I think what has happened, like there have been Zoom rooms where like suddenly there's an agent that, you know, will text me and be like, hey, you know, you start, what are you doing and whatever. Oh, I don't have representation right now, but. Uh, but I do, there are, there's always, you don't know who's in what room, you know, you, you book the thing and there's like 50, hundred people, you don't know who's who. And I'm just happy to get my word name out there. I'm, you know, usually I'm just thrilled that somebody's tuning in and listening. Wait, in terms of like marketing, and this is something uh, Bob Kirk is asking mm -hmm. if uh, he's like, if you look at your day, how much time in a day would you be marketing and selling yourself versus writing and performing? Uh, 60% marketing and selling. Mm -hmm. I really believe that the marketing is the lifeline of the business. Mm -hmm. Would I rather be doing the joke writing and working on the jokes? Absolutely, because I love doing it. But the truth is that if I'm not on the marketing grind, I can't do it for too long anyway. So as we were discussing earlier before, you know, that, you know, the podcast is also book. It takes time. The people don't realize how long it takes to do something well. And then to bring it to a level where you can sell, sell it and charge money for it. So I spend an inordinate amount. I, I spend a lot of time networking. I'm part of various networking groups. Uh, women's groups, this group, that group. I'm always in and out of Zoom rooms learning from other people, like how they grow their businesses. Uh -huh. It's also something I like. Like it's, I'm interested in it. I love learning the strategies. So what does that 60% marketing look like? What are you doing? You mentioned looking at social media analytics. What, what other kind yeah. of marketing tips do you have here? Like I'll give you an example. There's a company called Brunchworks, okay? okay? Now, Brunchworks is basically a networking platform and they invite experts from all kinds of things and you can pay like, a, you know, a $30 fee or whatever and listen to them and interact with them, not just listen, mm -hmm. interact with them. And they have like heads of studios, heads of entertainment companies, the VP of this, the development head of that. So I, if I see anything of any interest, I'm there. Like I, if for $30, I can actually get a face to face for five minutes with somebody like that. Uh, it's worth it to me, but, but you have to do a lot of those to build one real relationship. You have to go into it more with the idea that you're going to learn from their expertise and then hope that there is a relationship. So that's a big part of what I do uh, in terms of marketing, because it's also two way, right? Now they know that there's an Indian woman comedian who's doing this, this, and this in New York. Uh, so I spend a lot of time in these learning sessions all day long. Mm. Like yeah. you said, looking at comedians and how you can emulate their success, the same thing with other people outside of the comedy industry. Yeah. Any, honestly, any creative industry would be totally relevant. Like any type of creative field works. Uh, I'm working on uh, writing an animated series right now. And a uh, lot of the animation studios offer free networking. If you go through their web pages, they'll say, we're doing a free Zoom show on how animation gets ha happens. Aww. Now, even if I don't really want to know how animation really happens, because all I want to do is write, 
by being in that room, I'm entering that matrix. Now they know that I'm writing something. I know that they know other people who are buying writing. So, but you cannot, the mistake I see people make is that they'll go to three things and say, I never heard back. You know, it didn't really pass. It's, it's not like that. You've got to truly enjoy the process and put yourself out there. And it's a lot of time. There's just no way around it. And well, then I think they start clicking. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're putting out a lot. You're not just reaching out to three people and they're all like, "Yeah, come on down." It's like it's like joke writing. You write twenty jokes and maybe one sticks. Exactly, and it's the same, you know. And that's the same in any business. It's not even creative. It's a, you know, yeah. Yeah, and Bob followed up with, "What media do you? How wait? What media do you sell through? How do you reach your potential clients?" Uh, for my Zoom shows, I think people are interested in that. Uh, so I email everybody, people with requests. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of cold emails. It's a lot of cold emails to HR, a lot of cold emails to doctor offices. My neighborhood offices, I try to hit mm -hmm. small businesses. Um, now I do free park shows. You know, I, yeah. for the life of me, can't get a spot on anybody else's show. So I just started producing my own show. I was like, all right, you know, let's see what it takes. <laughs> But when I have wow. people there, I'll pass out information on Zoom events that they can hire me for. Oh, that's so. If, so why do you think I have all these kids? I like I make my kids <laughs> come to everybody. Why do you think I have all these kids? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, I was thinking ahead. Eighteen years ago, it was all in there. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh my God. And if they had fun, then they might consider me for a Zoom party. You know what I mean? Like if they thought that they enjoyed what I did, then they might consider me. So. Yes. All yeah. you're always promoting your Zoom shows, even if you're doing a free. That's that's so good. I am, I am. What what's <laughs> great and like how long it took for this to get scheduled, but then the timing of it actually happening could not be more perfect for this is like right i think probably a lot of comics are thinking of like man i'm doing a lot of zoom shows there's probably some sort of way to make money on this but yeah like it it's all like sparking i think at this instance and it's so generous of you because the, the what you're also representing right now is like when we think about that next generation of great comics how you're saying for the life of me i can't even get on someone else's show I've, I went through that, so, like in my own comedy scene of like, I, I just want to get on stage so I can get funny, but there's clicks and there's cool mm -hmm. kids. And what we're trying to do here through a hot breath is like, Hey, there's enough room for everyone. There's enough. You, we can like, we're interviewing all these comics and they're like, here's how I did it. Go do it type deal. And at the end of the yeah. day, you've just got to be willing to put in the work. And most people aren't willing to do the work. Yeah, I mean, I am not, like, I give all secrets away. Pe yeah. You know, I, when I ask, often people are secretive and I don't really understand it because yeah. first of all, there's nothing proprietary about any of these ideas. And second, I, I believe rising tides lift all boats. Yes. You know, yes. I think we can work together to make comedy a thing again and, and lift all of us up together. Uh, you know, we're not competing with each other. It's not that small. If you look at how much money comedy generates for the social media platforms, you realize how much money there is to be made. How much content we give away for free to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Mm -hmm. What do you think they're doing? They're monetizing all our work. That's how they become what they become, right? So there is a lot of room for growth. We just have to find it. And with TikTok, uh, I'm one of the newest members of their creators fund. Oh, so great. now I, yeah, so now I talk to them and, you know, uh, I get like, you know, like I'll push back with them too. They took me on as a creator. They want to support and I appreciate that so much. But I'm also bringing a new and unique voice to the table. So I feel like all of us have to together say, well, we're doing all this work. We're bringing all this to the table. This is how you, YouTube, get a billion views. Because of all the comedians, people log on and just search comedy any time of the day and like watch work that we grind hard to produce. So I think there's so much room for growth for all of us. 
instead of thinking of it as a saturated market, which some people choose to, I don't, I think that the potential, and by the way, if this year has taught us anything, we all need to laugh more. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and I think that scarcity mentality is of the old comedy mindset. Like we talked before we got on here of there's an old mindset within the creative space, but especially comedy of like, you shouldn't make money or you're somehow taking advantage of the craft in a sense. That's an old mindset that I am having to break myself out of as well. But it's great to connect with comics like you who have broken through that or are setting the new standard of that next generation in comedy that we're talking about. It's, it's Well, beautiful. I think in the old days, it's and I wasn't here when this was true because it all changed this year. Uh, people waited for that late night spot. Mm -hmm. It was all about the credit and the late night spot and the, you know, the big festivals and all that. Like, I think I started comedy knowing no one's giving me a spot. So I just have to find like my own way. I mean, I, I and in some way it became a blessing because I, because it's not a path I ever really actively pursued. And, and now look at where we are. The digital world has upended that in such a big way. Who knows what's going to be the new thing next year? Yeah. You know, so I think that that scarcity mentality was tied to like how many people can Fallon have on at a time. So we're all fighting for those same four, five, ten spots. But it's just not true anymore. Like there can be 200 of us with a million people account each on social media. And will still not even be a drop in the social media ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, June June is asking about your audio and video equipment. Did you invest? It's a two-parter. Did you invest in audio and video equipment for your Zoom shows? And do you sit or stand during your Zoom shows? Uh, I invested in a state-of-the-art MacBook Pro uh, laptop. Mm -hmm. because uh, once I realized that we're going full digital, I bought the, the newest MacBook with, a, with the biggest capacity that I could. It was expensive. I was like, I was so angry how expensive it was. Uh, I do my comedy sitting down because I feel like this is my most personal, like it feels like you're having a conversation. Uh, but I've seen people doing it standing up. I think you have to do what makes you feel most grounded and ready to deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do believe equipment is you have to have it. Like that's key. Like if you're charging money, whether it's 25 bucks or 250 or 25,000, I think you have to respect the fact that that person is paying and it, can, it has to be flawless. You cannot have technical glitches and you cannot have sound conking up on you. So I invested a lot up front in the equipment. Do you have a microphone as well? Or is it your, you're using your head, headpiece there? I have five different microphones here as options, but nothing seems to work as well as this does. Interesting. I have, I have like the big podcast mic. I have everything, mm -hmm. but nothing seems to work. And I personally, I'm very animated when I'm doing my comedy. So being hands-free also helps. Like I don't have anything in front of me. I can do, you know. Yeah. And as we're as we're landing this plane here, you've you've been able to generate a lot of momentum on social media. Sp sp I mean, all, clearly off social media and turning into a business. But like how what kind of social media marketing tips do you have even from the content to release? How often to release it? Are you scheduling it like social media can become your full time job? It can also become a full time distraction if you're not using it effectively. Completely. And I'm learning. This is a learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. I am more organized about it. I have a I have a release schedule now. So I try to release two funny bits a week. Mm -hmm. What I have found is that people actually like knowing the story behind the story. You know, the kids, the husband, even the mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. And by the way, just a word about my mother-in-law. The woman couldn't speak a word of English until last year. <laughs> Miraculously, this year, she's like, I think you owe me money. <laughs> That's the only sentence she learned how to speak. So um, people love. So I have two. My tenth poll on every social media platform is two jokes a week minimum. And then like, you know, a story about something that I could be doing a show or my husband or my kid or the other kid or the third kid, as I said, I have many. 
uh, or something that's going on in the world, elections or whatever, you know, people do. I used to be very nervous that I have to be funny in every post. And then I realized that it was actually my emotional posts that were doing better than my funny posts. Mm. Like people were enjoying learning about what I'm about. And I think it's true. Now that I think like when I go to your page, I love reading about, you know, your wife or like what your life is. Mm. I get the jokes, but I also want to get why Joel does what he does. Like, why is he doing this writing club? Why did he start? So uh, I, re I recommend that everybody, you know, a release schedule for some funny content and then like other things around them and consistency of course mm -hmm. okay. and resist the urge twitter oh my god it will suck you in and you know before you know it you're at war about like i don't know mayonnaise yep that's such a great example <laughs> Who even cares the next day? It's like, but you got sucked in in the moment and I am guilty of it. I've done, I've done my share of tweets where I've woken up and been like, what was I thinking? Mm. But I'm trying to limit those. I'm trying to limit those. Awesome. Man, this, I, I mean, we have done so many of these and this, I think this is my favorite. I mean, we just had Jeff Foxworthy on here and I feel like this, I, I feel like I got more out of this one than that one. Um, yeah, you're wow. I'm I'm moved. I mean, I, I'm moved right now, Zarna. Like I really feel like a new like spark in my step in terms of what is possible with this time. Cause like you said, I have and we have like people tune in every day to the writing club, but it's like that's been a daily thing, still releasing a weekly podcast and still look like doing YouTube is a whole animal as well and like now you, I feel like you've added a lot of clarity to a lot of comics about how they can optimize what the current situation we're in and start creating their own success. So thank, thank you, Zarna. This, this has been amazing. No, thank you. As I said, I'm so happy to be here. And you know, Zarna has a lot of things, but above all, she's grateful. I'm very grateful. Oh my gosh. It's I discovered that about myself as well. This, I did an exercise where I listed a hundred things about myself. And then, it, and then the exercise was to pick one of those things. And grateful was the one thing that I narrated all the way down to. You know, I'm not surprised because they say that, uh, they say that success, success is usually directly proportionate to how grateful you are. And, and I, I, that's why I'm not surprised you're saying that. The re, that's, what's, that's what's giving you that purpose to keep doing the free stuff and then lead to convert, <laughs> converting to the other stuff. Uh, but it comes from a place of believing. Like I, if I, you know, listen, I'm about 10 seconds old in this business and who am I and what am I going to say? But I wish that more comedians believe that there is a lot of power in collaboration mm. and that together we can win. This yes. thing that almost took us down and our industry down this year could end up being the biggest boon for us in the next five years. Mm, namaste. Yes. That was See, you even got a meditation moment. That was beautiful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I mean, Zarna, where can people follow you, support you, reach out to book you on your Zoom shows? Like, please promote whatever it is that we can help promote here. My website, zarnagard.com, has all my information, my TikTok, everywhere it's at Zarnagard, except Facebook, where I'm Zarnagard official. For what reason? I have no idea because various handle issues. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm very easy to find all over. And I would love to support everybody back. This is not a one-sided relationship. They support me. I support them. If there's anything I can do to help anybody, I'm here. And I want to be a part of the community. And I'm very grateful that you invited me. Oh, thank you. Well, you are definitely an official member of the Hot Breath Diverse. We're happy to have you. Woohoo! People are saying in the Hot Breath ship, Zarna put wind in our sails today. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yes. Believe. People believe. I believe. Could you, the last thing we, we do on here is we have our guests uh, look into the camera, say their name, and then why comics should listen to uh, Hot Breath. 
my name is Zarna Garg, and comics should listen to Hot Breath because this is where the next generation of great comedians is going to come from. So be part of that club. Bow. Zarna Garg, Hot Brethren and Sisterin. Beautiful, beautiful. Let me get an applause sound effect. So good. Go forth with your days, Hot Brethren and Sisterin. You now have the roadmap to start creating your own success in these turbulent times. So this Q&A took place in our Facebook group. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it after the fact on our podcast, go into the show notes, click join this Facebook group. You'll be a part of our writing club and our weekly feedback mics, these Q&As and so much more. So until next week, hop breath the verse. Have a good day. Bye. Good day. Bye-bye. Namaste. Namaste. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.